Do do you think there will be some changes after in in the way we live our lives? I mean, out of out of lockdown. At the very best, like realistic, is that things are going to be a bit more expensive because our supply chains will be a bit more controlled and everything will go up in price because of that. <laughs> we might have better, okay. better minimum standards that we expect from other countries. Really? But I don't. I don't. I don't really think too many people are going to change and especially in the UK I don't know what makes us so weirdly different but I saw a study that said that people in the UK are the some of the least likely in the world to adopt the daily use of like face masks and stuff sounds about right post virus and loads of other countries have like higher percentages that would be willing to but the UK is like way down in the teens so well, I don't know what makes us think that we're different from everybody else that we can just get away with not adopting uh, good practices but that seems to be what the UK does. Is it is it a sense of we're Britain and we're better than everybody else? We used to have an empire. Well, yeah. Yeah, genuinely, there's a lot of chat just that the UK is different because we're, we're an island all to ourselves and we've never been defeated, even though we have <laughs> been. Um, and uh, that we've got this culture that's so different. But it's just everybody, people are the same across the world. Humans are humans. We all make dumb mistakes. We all get stubborn. Everybody thinks that their own nation is better than all the other ones. It's not rare. I saw the Daily Mail this week write a headline which was German scientists aren't using war metaphors and the German government aren't using war metaphors because they lost the Second World War and it's still a sore point for them. <laughs> it's just... I mean, maybe that is part of it. Maybe it's just like, aha, sure. Britain, we won everything. We won both world wars. Or it's because it's not a war because... You know, while there is a defined enemy in, a, in the sense that it's a virus, uh, it's it's you don't want to be raising this sense of everybody's got to be fighting the enemy because then people who are contagious are the enemy, and then people who are are your neighbors, and maybe you don't know if they're going to give you the virus or not, are the enemy. So you don't want to make it all like horrible and uh, make it all seem like violence is the answer. And in war, ten violence tends to be the answer. I still find it wild, actually, listening back to. Uh, some of our episodes from the start of the year. There was one episode in particular where we didn't actually mention coronavirus and we were picked up on it by Izzy, who said, oh, by the way, you guys yeah, should, yeah. You should probably be talking about this. You should be talking about this by now. This is why we respect our audience, because <laughs> they're smarter than us. And it was only the next week that we said, oh, by the way, a listener got in touch and said we should talk about this coronavirus. Yeah, but we're like, yeah, but it's going to be fine, right? We were like, it's going to be fine. It's in China, it's fine. And now look at us. And yes, indeed, now look at us. Seesaw Parade, episode 204. Look at us. I'm Colin and he's James. Indeed. And this is Scotland's Least All Podcast, your new favourite podcast with the longest running season 01 and 2. Yeah, where most of the things we say sound reasonable, but they all end up being untrue. Well, I'll challenge that and say that some of them are true and some of them are challengeable. (laughs) So both statements work. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate all of you who are getting in touch and who are listening and just being part of uh, this big old seesaw that we're all on. Ah, at this yes. point in time. All the ups and the downs, as they, <laughs> as they do say. And, and the parades that we're not having because of social distancing. It is actually VE day today. It is, and the parades are cancelled. Yeah, and uh, I didn't actually realise that this was a big planned thing that was going to happen until I woke up today and I said, hey, it's VE day, we were going to have parades and celebrations, but we didn't. So here's here's Vera Lynn. Oh yeah, because it's a significant one. It's one of the one of the multiple, one of the nice numbers. It's a seventy-five. Yeah, so it matters more than the other ones. So this is this is my question because I do not recall anything for the seventieth. 
No, I don't. I don't really remember. I think twenty fives count more than tens after you reach like yeah. 50. And like they didn't celebrate the sixty fifth. I'm sure they did celebrate no. the sixty fifth, but it's it's like oh, sixty fifth anniversary. Don't really care. Yeah, just just wait till we get to the old hundred. Imagine. <gasps> but okay, imagine hold on. How many poppies there's gonna be? I will be in my fifties by that point. <laughs> we will be in our fifties. Oh man, that is a scary thought. Well, yeah, VE Day didn't happen. No parades. Do you reckon they'll have? They, they would have had like tanks on the streets, like dictator style. There, there would have been s- all of them saluting Boris. There would have been, <laughs> instead of the Queen, just cannons being raised in unison. I do suspect there would be <laughs> much like the Tory front bench. Am I right? Hey. Uh, so yeah, I would imagine there would be some sort of military display. There was the red arrows, and there was a fly past I saw on Twitter today. Some planes got in the formation of a seven and a five and flew yeah, right. directly yeah. over the heads of people. But then I thought... That's pretty fair. That's pretty socially distant. But then I thought, okay, that's really cool that you planes all flew in a seven and a five, but that only works for people who you're flying directly over. What about people who are off to the right or off to the left? They're just going to see like a squiggle of planes and think, what on earth's going on there? Well, they're going to be like, oh man, those planes are cool. They're just not going to appreciate it to the to the fullest. Me, I, I'm not seeing any planes, so I feel like I feel like I've been left out. They didn't divert, they didn't detour all the way over to above my flat and be like, "Hello." It did not come to Glasgow. We're coming in. You better look out your window. Yeah. So this is the only parade you're getting today on VE Day, or whenever you're listening to all it. you all you listeners. This is your parade, and it's <laughs> not actually a, it's not actually a VE Day related parade. This <laughs> is just a parade. Don't you get? Don't expect anything special. That's the only mention VA Day's getting. <laughs> That's it. We won the war. <laughs> yep. But did anyone really win the war? Was it not just a tragedy? Well, exactly. Are there winners when everybody ends up sore and hurt? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, and dead as well. <laughs> also dead. Because dead people dead. aren't actually currently hurting. VA Day update. We won 75 years. Or we. We, we won because I was a part of that team. Yeah, we did it. We British we did, did it because it. it was definitely ours, and it wasn't just the fact that the Russians threw bodies and bodies and bodies at the effort until they <laughs> trundled their way in and helped us win. Thank you to the to the Ruskies for that. Thank you to the Russians. Like genuinely, at post-war, everybody was like, "Yeah, the Russians is the reason that we won." But nowadays, if you ask, it's like, "Yeah, America did, and Britain they they did great." It's like. <laughs> So yes, he asked anyone in America or Britain back then; they would have known the truth. Let, let's let's just draw a line under that and say VA Day was a thing seventy five years ago. Well done, everybody! <laughs> Clap away to your heart's content. You know what? Let's talk about coronavirus. Even Berlin is getting the day off today. I saw, yeah, I saw that because it's a big seventy five. They're celebrating the return of democracy and the defeat of fascism. I mean, that is one way to look at it. So well yeah, done, no, well done to the Berliners. Yeah. It's good to it's good to acknowledge your past, uh, the good and the bad. Okay, let's look at the main headlines from the past week, starting with the grim news that the UK became the first country in Europe to surpass 30,000 related COVID-19 deaths. The UK is now leading the way of the league table that everybody wants to lose. Uh, Boris is going to address the nation on Sunday, which is apparently to do with easing the lockdown. So these two right. are, are remotely, are, are somewhat seriously connected. The first one being the, the 30,000 deaths, and that is continuing to climb. Yeah. And the second part of that is on Thursday, despite the fact that this horrible headline, this horrible figure had been reached, 
the British papers, the majority of the British papers were leading with headlines like Happy Monday, lockdown to be eased from then, yeah. or Haha, everybody get ready to go party. Yeah, Ha-ha. hold on for the weekend, we're almost there. And this is Grab now... Grab the beers, folks, and make sure to share them. This has been... Uh... <laughs> The, mouth to mouth. This is stop. This is now come back to Westminster, where ministers are saying, "Hold on a second. The press have got way ahead of themselves. How did this get out? Because in actuality, there is absolutely no. This is not the time to be easing a lockdown." Yeah. So, James, sum up, sum up that for me, please. Well, I believe that the reason it happened is because some specific websites and publications from the government removed some of their lockdown messaging, right? Which made the press go wow, it's definitely going to be announced that the lockdown's over. And they all want to get the people to buy their newspaper or see their adverts. So they went for the biggest headline they could, which is just lies. Because even if, like, surely, even if it's going to be a statement about easing the lockdown, it's going to be like, yeah, we're also going to allow some more shops to open and you're allowed to go outside twice. I mean, we might be told that we can go see a small circle of friends and stuff like that, but none of it's like ending the lockdown. No, it, it, none of this is some big, huge news news headline grabbing story of like lockdown's over. Can't believe it. We done it. Well done, because we've still got more active cases now yep. than we did when lockdown started. Correct. So the issue here is, for example, I saw a scientific expert person today say that these headlines were giving people this hope that from Sunday or from Monday, the lockdown's over. And he said that whenever, when Boris gives his speech, people who are looking for green lights are going to ignore all the red ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've had their hopes built up. So even if there is nothing mentioned about it, they're going to be like, yeah, but it's over now, it's fine. Yeah. And Coupled with this is the fact the police forces, particularly in England, have said that it's getting to the stage where this lockdown is unenforceable. When you're, if you're le- letting people exercise unlimited times a day, or to go for picnics or sunbathe or whatever that is, yeah. At what at what point do you say, well, actually, no, you've been excessively sunbathing, or you've, yeah, you're sitting too close. I know, yeah, a, a foot too close to the family yeah. next to you. But the, the, the half the problem is that it's all people are already ignoring it. So we've seen that. As you predicted, um, we're seeing uh, increased reports of entire areas just basically yeah. ignoring lockdown already. So, like, how do you police this? Well, for example, on Wednesday in Glasgow, it was particularly sunny. I believe we were at 20 degrees. I went it was for, a roaster. It was. I went for a run. It was too hot, which is bizarre. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a run where I decided, you know what? I am too warm for this. I'm going to go home. Do you usually not run in the summer? No, well, not really. No, I usually play football and you do that for an hour and most of of the football is walking around, so it's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. So on my way back, ran to Glasgow Green and it was absolutely heaving. There was people everywhere. Yeah, even I've noticed it outside the windows of my flat, more people out and about. um, And it is is to be expected. And I don't think people are going to be able to last much longer without some direct... Um, advice or some direct notice right. as to what to do and when to do it and who you can meet and who you can't meet. But I think it's all just going to start going wrong no matter what happens from here. Because um, people, as much as the majority of people are still supposedly saying, keep the lockdown in, apparently it's still got the majority support across the UK. The, the number of people that aren't thinking that is getting to a point where you are now risking the ability to spread the virus pretty easily. There, there's another piece of information here. The RAC 
say that they've seen a jump in people using their cars. They've also had more call-outs of people going to use their cars and finding that their batteries are flat after Dead s- car, yeah. sitting in their driveway for two or three weeks now. You've got to drive it once every now and then, even if you're not doing anything. Exactly, which is what I've been doing. So the, my good old Pedro is still going. <laughs> but that, to me, is, sorry, that actually is the name <laughs> of the car. The important fact here is that clearly people are fatiguing yeah and that is widely accepted however as difficult as this is in my expert view this is too soon to be lifting lockdown particularly in scotland oh, for sure. where the infection yeah. rate is higher than it is in england because it hits london and the south of england a lot sooner than it did scotland so we're a little bit behind the rest yeah, of the we uk were, yeah yeah. And our infection rate is still actually higher. So Nicola Sturgeon is now saying, well, hold on a second. Boris may say one thing, but nah, in Scotland, we're doing something else. But yeah. but then it's a case of, well, very mixed messages. Boris has been talking about, or rather the press have been talking about how the stay at home slogan is a goner. But Sturgeon is saying, ah, actually, no, no we, we still need home. to use that. Yeah. Um, if Boris does ease the lockdown, the other regions of the UK are, um, are talking about not easing a lockdown so it will all be in how they deliver that because if they deliver that message in a weak manner people are just going to be like well i'm just going to listen to boris i don't like you anymore i'm listening to boris and then their respectability will tank so they have to deliver in a strong manner which risks making boris look dumb and boris won't like that um, so it's a real tough position um having potentially one of the leaders jumping the gun and easing things a bit if the other leaders are all in agreement that we don't want to do that. Uh, so it should be an exciting weekend. You know, it's a shame they didn't do all their announcements an hour before we recorded and stuff, but, you know, <laughs> we'll give you our opinions five days late next week. The, the other issue is that I believe Boris is seeing this mounting tally and the fact that now other countries are criticising Britain. There were op-eds in the Sydney yeah. Herald. There were yeah. somebody in Italy, a, a libertarian right-wing paper, was writing about how Britain had got it so disastrously wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Yorker wrote an article about it a few days ago. And yeah. th- this seems to be now this prevailing view of Britain's done something horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if Boris does go a step further with his lockdown and start to lift certain restrictions, other people are just going to see this as carte blanche of, oh, let's just go back to the way we were living. And then that will result in another spike. Yeah, we could risk just repeating ourselves. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a tough position. Boris wants desperately to come up with a way to make us less of an embarrassment on the global stage because we have just messed it up so badly, especially considering the advantage we had of having an initial delay. Because there's few countries now that have a higher even death rate per capita. We've got Belgium leading that pack, but they're, they're reporting pretty... Their numbers, the, the way they're counting their numbers is, is pretty... Uh, accurate, supposedly. Okay. Because they're they're taking into account like any any death that might be corona. They're counting that towards a total number. So we don't know um, quite who's who's doing the worst in terms of the numbers. But the UK on all fronts is showing some bad signs, and it is embarrassing. And hopefully the right people are embarrassed and are wanting to fix the situation. But hopefully they don't try and do it too fast. Otherwise, they're going to re-embarrass themselves and they're going to be double embarrassed. And everybody knows that when you're double embarrassed, you start making real dumb mistakes. That's but just it, scientific. For, for me, it's Boris 
has got to be thinking about his legacy. He is the prime minister who has steered this island through the pandemic. <laughs> Boris is the, he's the Brexit PM and he's the COVID PM. He did not. He did not come up lucky. <laughs> he did not sign up for that. Well, he did sign up for one of them. Well, yeah, that's very true. But he, he yeah. will be remembered as the prime minister who was in charge during this time. And yeah. it, I'm unsure if the scale of the fact that 30,000 plus people have died in this country because of coronavirus has really hit with the general public. I'm unsure as if pe- if people are fully aware of, oh, hold on a second, let's talk about the way that this government has mishandled this from the start. Look at Germany, the fact that, what, 8,000 people have died? Germany's far bigger than UK. Yeah, and they did a bad job. Exactly. Like Angela Merkel's getting criticised for her behaviour and her decisions. Yeah. And they've got, what, a quarter? A quarter of the people who've died in the UK? Yeah. Obviously, every single death is a tragedy, but clearly, in the UK, we've done something terribly wrong. Well, Germany, one of the biggest things they did was actually ramp up the testing to an insane level very, very, very quickly because they do their own productions. Right, which leads us on to the fact that the government have now missed every 100,000 tests a day tally uh, yes. ever since May 1st. So they had fudged the numbers. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're going to ramp it up to 1,000 tests for a day. <laughs> By the end of April. Right, so so they, so they fudged the numbers for that because essentially what happened yeah. <laughs> in the run-up to the end of April, having said that they would reach 100,000 tests by April 30th, <laughs> Just pretend. on the last day, they said, right, we've done 122,000 tests today. And in actuality, they'd done 77,000 tests and 50,000 tests were in the post. 50,000 were in the post, even 40,000 were in the post. And also some of the tests that they did count because of the way they worded it, they realised they can count two tests done to the same person as two tests. Oh, what? So some of them are like one person getting tested twice because it's good to test people twice sometimes. Um, but how did they get away with this? Because they just they just faked it for one day. For one day. And then it's already, we've missed the mark every day since. To, to add on to this, <laughs> like, another headline from the past week was the fact that all the PPE that was bought from Turkey, half of it oh, yeah. is apparently faulty or, or it doesn't fit the guidelines of the British Medical Association. Yeah, we wanted to do all our procurement our own way and then we're kind of failing on that front too. Um, not much you can do if you tell a country, hey, I need this, and they're like, yeah, we've got that, and then they ship it over to you and you open the box and it's like, that's not what I wanted. It's hard to put blame on them, but they really should be getting a lot more in than is... like. So they should be assuming that half the stuff they get is going to be faulty, and then when they get it all, they've still got enough. Yeah. To, to finish up some of these coronavirus headlines, particularly in the UK, the research has started to come in in terms of who the virus is hitting the hardest. Mm-hmm. And the first stat was that black people are four times more likely to die of coronavirus than white people, particularly in Britain. That's that's where the research has been done. The other article which I've been reading about here is that coronavirus is essentially killing people a decade before they were meant to. before their time. Before their time. Well, it's a big big one because a lot of people that are talking about reopening the economy and just taking the hit are saying, oh, it's only killing the old people. It's only killing people that are over 80. The average age of death is like 80-something. And it's like, well, even then, you're still taking 10 years off people's lives. I wouldn't sacrifice 10 years of my life for the economy. Uh, and But you're saying it's worth doing for everyone. And it, and the more open it is, the bigger that number is going to get, the worse our care gets. So the bigger the number of years you're taking from someone is. And you also got to look at, the, the as you said, like, black people are more likely to die in the UK than white yeah. people. You've got to wonder, like, 
Is any of that because they are unsupported communities? Is any of that because of um, years of uh, neglecting the communities that they live in? Uh, how much of a um, how much of that is like a genetic thing, and how much of it is just social and our failure or the government's failure to take care of people who are uh, statistically uh, less well off because of their their roots? Okay, before we move on to some other news, let's jump over to Russia where two Russian doctors have died and one remains in an intensive care unit in a serious condition after all three fell out of windows mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Russian hospitals under mysterious circumstances. It appears, James, no, they just that these uh, tragic incidents last week, which all made national headlines, uh, were apparently because all three had come under pressure from their superiors over the fact they'd complained about the working conditions and the lack of PPE. And then all three yeah. apparently fell out of windows. James? Yeah, they, fe- they fell out, you know. It's just coincidence. You can complain about PPE, sure thing, but you might accidentally fall out a window. The, apparently, the chances of that happening are pretty high in Russia, where people don't like you undermining the government or saying the non-government line. It's just it's just Russia doing their thing. They don't care what we think about them. They don't care what the world thinks about them. The only thing that Russia cares about is everybody within their borders towing the line and not speaking out of turn. So they're, they're doing these kinds of things to try and force people to to see that if you do uh, things that are not within uh, what we have told you mm-hmm. to do, then bad things happen to you. And they don't care. They don't care what the US thinks. They don't care what Britain thinks. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, and that's the conclusion I've taken from this is that's awful. The fact that three doctors doing their job, wanting to do the best for their patients and for the people who they work with, including themselves, die simply because they complained and the conclusion or the 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 fallout of that yeah absolutely nothing yep there's nothing nothing will happen those yep. men and women will die and that is it russian government cover it up and and that's it yeah i mean what else can they do no there's going to be no repercussion that's just the way the world works these days <sighs> all the all the people in power are keen to keep the status quo and um, but it's bad enough in the uk we didn't like directly push any of our doctors out of windows but we've had doctors um warning us of a lack of protective gear for quite yep. a while and several of them have died not because anybody pushed them out a window but because they got the virus because they didn't have the right gear so like it's indirect it's still bad James, we incredibly have some actual <gasps> entertainment slash movie some, news to talk about. Some some real news. Yeah. None of this like global disasters. Get them out. Pandemic? Of here. What? No. We want to hear about fun things. Films. Let's talk about the movies. Okay, we do actually have a couple of noteworthy uh, discussions here. The first one, which took me by surprise, yeah, is Cease Parade's fave Taika Waititi director of yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows, Thor Ragnarok, and Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. The news is this week that he is to direct a new Star Wars movie yes. for a theatrical release, which I'm sure would be out in the next couple of years, which he's writing mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. Christy Wilson-Cairns, who also wrote 1917, which did uh, well in the award circuit in the last few months. Did pretty well, yeah. James... <sighs> I will, I mean, that sound effect kind of sums up how I feel about this. But just let me ask you, first of all, what do you think about this? Taika Waititi directing a Star Wars movie. 
Well, he might be the first director they take in to do a film that doesn't get fired halfway through. Ah. Um, that would be nice because one previously he said he when asked if he wanted to do a Star Wars film, he said, No, I like finishing my movies. So he must have some assurance that he's going to get to finish this one. Um, but no, it should be okay. He's a good director. He's like Hopefully Disney have learned from allowing him to direct Thor that if they stifle his vision, it's going to be less good. Just let him do what he wants. Um, he has also already directed some Star Wars IP. He right. did the final episode of The Mandalorian, so, so, in which he was also a voice actor for one of the characters. Of course he was. So Taika Waititi, here's my uh, tuppence on this. Taika Waititi is a tremendous director. I've really liked everything that I've seen him do. Yeah. But this, it just doesn't seem to me like a good fit. Because, as we've discussed, the most recent Star Wars films, barring... I did like the first one. I thought Rogue One was fun. But in terms of the second and third of the trilogy, were just not good. And it's somewhat of a poison chalice, I would say, at this point. It will make money. Yeah. yeah. It will make money. But regardless, you're going to make some people upset because... Yeah of the particular fandom that Star Wars has. And because mm-hmm. Taika Waititi has a particular style and a particular, you know, way of doing his movies, I just don't think it's going to work. Right. Yeah, so if he got picked up as the director for the third of the sequels, right? so the final film, and he did his own tone and he did his own humour and it was all, like, way off um, what you expect from the Skywalker saga, so to speak... Um, people might complain but this could be the sign of star wars um and the people and well in lucasfilm i suppose and um, learning lessons from the marvel movies wherein you can have stories set in a universe but with vastly different um tones and um so long as they're not too attached so as long as it's not like this is now episode whatever of the same story Expect more Skywalker stuff now. Right. It should be fine. If, as long as you're exploring a slightly different feel in the genre or a slightly different feel in the tone, it should be pretty great. Okay, so, so, so you're, feeling, you're giving a thumbs up to that? Well, yeah, because Mandalorian was like a Western feel, and that was pretty good. Hans, Han, the Han Solo film was a heist feel, and that wasn't too bad. I, like, I liked it more than the other films. Okay. Um, Rogue One was a bit more of a um, di- direct Star Wars, but a bit gritty feel. Yeah, and that was good. So the, all the ones that are kind of standalone, but with a different tone to just space opera, they're pretty great. And then all the ones that tried to be a space opera but, but were just space soap opera, they weren't great. Okay, right. Let's move on. Here's the the second piece of of big news from this week. I realized as I clicked on the link, it opened me uh, a Boris Johnson article, which was totally not the uh, the news. Here it is: the Pirates of the Caribbean reboot is apparently moving forwards without Johnny Depp, uh-huh. and instead oh. will be taking a female lead. Oh, and the name that's in discussions is Karen Gillan. Oh, Inver- well, she's popular. Right Inverness she's actress pretty. in Jumanji. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers yeah. things. Um, she's pretty good. She's Oh, she's fab. Do- so, Doctor Who, most of all. Of course, that's Doctor Who is where she That's why us Brits know her. She, uh, I, I think she, yeah, she's, she's great. So the idea or the suggestion is that they would go with the character of Red, who is a female captain who you would see at any sort of Disney World attractions. Right. She's a, uh, a female captain who you would see gallivanting about at the, the Pirates of the Caribbean attractions. Right, right, this right, right. This has been met with, again, mixed well, yeah. feedback. Yeah. Because for some people, Pirates of the Caribbean 
is Johnny Depp. Uh, Jack Sparrow. There's the one so far that doesn't have Mr. Depp. No, I think, I think all of them have two? Johnny Depp. All of them do. Oh, is he in all of them? Yeah. I can't even... One of them is so not in my mind that I forgot it. he's even in it. It's just such a there bad are, film. There are five. I do have, at some point, a, a mind to revisit these those movies, but I'll get I'll get to I mean, that later on. The first one was excellent. Yeah. First one's great. Yeah, we'll get... Yeah, we'll come back to that sometime. And all, it's also kind of weird to drop him at this point because other franchises and stuff were under pressure to not have debt because of the allegations that were getting raised against them. Yeah. But now that the tables have turned on that front and it turns out that he was the one that was being abused and all the evidence is stacked up against um Amber Heard. Amber Heard. And now she's getting dropped from things instead and potentially going to jail. I think there would be more stress to try and just get debt back in. So like, it's strange. I can see why it's, there's mixed feelings, but I expect most of the mixed feelings are just because it's more Pirates of the Caribbean and the last few have been pretty terrible. Yeah. I do... I'm going to have to revisit these these films. It was several years ago when I last watched the, the original trilogy, but I do seem to recall as much as they had problems, I liked them. I was I was a lot younger at that point, so I'm going to revisit them. They the, were fun at, at the very worst. The they were still fun. The fourth and fifth, though, I, I definitely did not enjoy. Yeah, no, Because at, at that point, they lost all sense of spark or wit or originality, which the first one definitely had. Yeah. So, to me, to me it's too soon, because ultimately, if you're going to do anything with a, a, a franchise like that, and I appreciate that the franchise has made $4.5 billion for, for Disney. Fair enough. You want to keep on milking that cash cow. But can we just do something fresh? Can we do something new? Yeah. Yeah. Unlike something like Star Wars or something like Marvel, where you can have like different planets and different entire civilizations, it's kind of hard to make a pirate film feel like a different tone to the other pirate films you've already done. Uh, so unless they're doing some sort of super gritty, realistic pirate film that they really want us all to enjoy, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be something new. Okay, let's move on. There was some sad news this week that Sam Lloyd, yes. who was the actor best known for playing Ted in Scrubs, had passed away yeah. after 16 months um, of fighting an inoperable brain tumor mm-hmm. he was only 56 he had a young uh, young child and the tributes have been pouring in from his scrubs colleagues oh, yeah. which is something i'm going to get to later on in in the review section but let's just touch on oh. the, the the fact that scrubs for me certainly when I'd, i left home and moved to glasgow like scrubs was the show that i watched oh, yeah. every single episode off on e4 and 4od and channel 4 and it was it was great and he was one of the standout characters yeah completely memorable um and even like when you rewatch, um having already fallen in love with the character you go back to season one and you realize that they got him going right away he got his he got his moments in season one that you look forget and then you go back to it, and it's like oh wow he, he was doing all these oh, things yeah, even yeah. in season one they realized just what a brilliant character they had um and as it turns out like and completely not unexpectedly uh, that he was a brilliant and genuinely lovely human being too who did all sorts of good things and who had all sorts of wide-ranging talents and it is it's a it's a shame um to see someone else uh losing a fight um way before you'd expect them to especially someone who just seemed so genuinely lovely yeah absolutely which leads us on to what we've been watching this week Uh, yes it does what we've been listening to and i'm actually in a, mm-hmm. in a seesaw parade first i'm going to recommend slash review 
another podcast. Well, I think I've done one that, that isn't on. Cecil Parade. I've done that. I recommended a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. But you forgot all so about it. So you did. So you did. I remembered it now. I'm going to talk about uh, Fake Doctor's <laughs> Real Friends, which is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Scrubs podcast with Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who are JD and Turk. If you needed reminding. If yeah, if if. And, and what they're what they're doing is essentially they've taken advantage of lockdown to go back to the very start of Scrubs and go through each episode with either just the two of them chatting about what they remember from the from the show, that episode, but the ones that they've done so far, they've had a, a special guest or a co-star yeah. on each of the episodes. They've only done seven or eight so far. Yeah. I listened to the one they did with John C. McGinley, who was Dr. Cox, and it was just, it was brilliant because clearly all of them are are just actually friends and they were chatting about the show and what they remembered from that particular episode the one i listened to was an episode they shot on uh, it was the day after 9 11 all right and so they say you know if, if you're watching the episode at home you, you can't tell it's any different but to them it was it was a really difficult show to to put together and to to act in and they talk about the the way that they essentially lived in this abandoned hospital for you know 16 hours a day Mm-hmm. And how you know it's 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 honestly brilliant. I f- I do find the episodes are quite long. Although, I think yeah. they're between like an hour fifteen, hour twenty, which to me is probably heavily unedited, stretching the limits of of how long you can listen to. But they do have an excellent uh, theme song, so do do check that out <laughs> if you're a fan of Scrubs. And here's the thing: I may actually go back and start watching watch along uh, uh, from the start. Yeah, like we watch along because the episodes are only what 20, 25 minutes. Super short, yeah. The more you hear about the cast and the show getting made, the more you hear about everybody just enjoying themselves. It- a great amount where other shows you hear about behind the scenes and it's, and it's a little bit more tense and people are kind of just more putting up with each other. So I'm not surprised to hear the podcast is good. I have subscribed to it. I just haven't started listening yet because I listen yep. to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, it's it, it, I really enjoyed it. I will be uh, continuing to listen to it. Yeah. Right, James, I've got one more on the list, but I'm going to save that <gasps> because, uh, cause, because it's time for you to speak. So tell me, what have you been watching, James? I already mentioned it. I watched... Solo. Solo. Which is the Han Solo solo film. What did you think of the Han Solo solo film? It, it was all right. It was exactly the quality that I expected of it, I reckon. Yeah. Because I had, I had like reasonable expectations. I was going in to be entertained but not blown away. And I was entertained but not blown away. Um, it, it was, it had a lot of the symptoms of the lazy writing that Disney materials have just cutting corners here and there, slapdash introducing characters and slapdash getting rid of them uh, with more fanfare than they have earned because Disney thinks that we're all just an emotional bunch of children. It was a bit haphazard, a bit quick, um, but yep. also but 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 also entertaining, and that's the most important thing. Uh, it wasn't well, gripping, you- but I didn't I didn't want to pause it and go away and come back later on. What did you think of Alden Ehrenreich as a yeah? On Harrison Ford, Han Solo. You know what? I I thought it was completely fine. I've got no complaints. That's such a. I have no compliments either. It was just exactly <laughs> a decent performance. Yeah, I mean, as harsh as he that sounds. He had a out. sense of solo about him. He had like some of the mannerisms. He had some of the phrases. He had some of the way of presenting things. But he had none of the the grit or the realism or the groundedness. It just felt like it did feel pretend, but it wasn't bad. Okay, well, yeah, that's fair. From what I recall, it's the kind of film I think I I definitely saw once in the cinema and that was enough. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it again for the rest of my existence. It's Yeah, it's it's just a film that exists and that's fine. 
Yeah, I'm glad they made it because it's good to branch out and make stories, and there are moments that are enjoyable. Um, it's good to get some canon um, for characters that previously had all their canon erased. Um, so it's good to get all these stories out. But I, I, I do wish uh, it was a little bit less far-reaching. They went a bit big. They should have made it a bit smaller, slower, and just more engaging. Okay. James, I'm going to start a Seesaw Parade thread for the next 23 episodes. Okay. Because I'm catching on to something that was done about 13, 14 months ago that I've only decided to do now because I have a Disney Plus account. Oh, I've just realised what you're doing. I am watching every Marvel film in order. Okay. (laughs) So, starting this week with number one, the OG of the Marvel Universe, which is Iron Man. Yeah. I've gone back to this film with fresh eyes. There's so, a lot of these films I only ever saw once but and, and will be revisiting for the first time. But Iron Man is a film I have seen uh, definitely three or four times. Uh, yeah, I've seen it a few times. So there's just a few observations of this. I'm going to keep these short and sharp. Iron Man is still a film which stands up today. It's 13 years old at this point, which is ridiculous. Wow, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was made for this role. I know we've talked about that before, but he is... You know, yeah. He is everything that the Marvel Universe yeah. was meant to be. He well, was well meant done. to play that role. Well done, Marvel's casting from start there, to finish. A few notes in this. I'll have a few notes for, for every film. Uh, John Favreau, the director, he's uh, Happy Hogan in this. He's incredibly uh-huh. skinny. Yeah, yeah. He, came, he, came more, he became more cushioned for the, for the <laughs> follow-ups. I just I looked at I was like, man, he looks so thin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was that. Then there's Jeff Bridges, who's the villain. Now, again well documented the fact that Marvel's villains with the handful or the exception of what three yeah very few of the 23 villains are terrible and Jeff Bridges despite being an Oscar winning actor is given absolutely nothing he just he's just yeah he just doesn't do anything he's got nothing to chew on yeah and that's a real shame the other the thing this only stood out to me this time of watching Iron Man I guess it was because years have passed and I've become a bit more cynical that the whole plot of the film the final act is that Jeff Bridges' character Obadiah is going to kill Iron Man. He's going to kill Pepper Potts. Yeah. This guy is the CEO. He's like the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. What's his plan after that? He's going to kill Tony Stark. He's going to kill his girlfriend. And then what? Like, yeah, nobody's going to know. No one's going to know it was him, he's... despite the fact he's in a giant robotic suit causing mayhem in Los Angeles. <laughs> what was this guy's plan? No, he's going he's gonna to wipe the cameras. He's a technological genius too. Like he, he broke into Tony Stark's house. He... And he literally rips he literally rips the guy's heart out. Yeah. Like, what was his plan? So that Just remove all evidence, pay off the police. He's a, he <laughs> he isn't he is friends with the corrupt mayor. Oh uh, it just it, it's no it's just Marvel bad guys being bad guys because they're bad guys rather than right. actually giving them any sense of realism. So so that this time I watched it and it totally took me out of it. I was like, oh man, this this, it is, does a wee bit. this just does not make any sense. Like you did not think this through at all. Yeah, no, Mar- so, Marvel Marvel films tend to have pretty good motivations for the good guys because that's really easy to do. Yeah. But yeah. just lazy motivations for the bad guys guys because that's hard to do right so so that was my thoughts on that didn't give them enough to do and when they did it didn't make any sense and then also (laughs) the final act like some of the final lines that gwyneth paltrow gives when it's all coming together like tony stark is hanging off a roof and he's begging (laughs) pepper Potts to push the button and literally it's four or five times he's like push the button and she's she's like but you'll you'll die 
Tony, no, you'll Tony. die. It's just the worst. Tony. It's so bad. Like I had to pause it and go back and watch and thought this acting is awful. No, she Pepper just, was, was oh. really not delivering from day one till no, the no, end. No, 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 no. I, I disagree with that. The first like the first act, the first half, when they're not really an item, they're just, she works for him. I was fine with that. Honestly, it was well, fine. Yeah, okay, but then, so, when it just gets to that final section, it, she just falls apart. It just becomes this, like... No, at that point... Oh, this caricature of a character. And I just, again, just that final act yeah. of Iron Man totally takes me out of the film because the rest of it and I stand by this the rest of it is good it's an enjoyable movie well, sure. it kicked it's off the film. whole Marvel Universe and it's the reason it's so successful is because of this movie yeah but no Pepper for like the first few acts of Marvel like the all of Marvel her job was to not care <laughs> so of course it was easy to act not caring she just didn't care and acted professional so easy to deliver that you just do your job um, to your minimum standards um, but then when she kept doing that and she was supposed to be an important, like, a emotionally important character and later on, like, um, heavily plot-invested character, oh, yeah. the, the lack of effort on her part just became very apparent. Okay, James, finish off this section. What is the other thing you've been watching? Finished an anime, Colin. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's shorter, so I finished it in a week. Wow. Um, Tell me about it. It's called Erased, and that is the correct name. Um, okay. Off an anime. Good, good. Yeah, uh, I'm getting good at this. Um, it's it's a story about a dude who's kind of got a strange superpower. It's not really presented to us as a superpower, but more just as a thing that happens to him, and um, where he sometimes gets sent back in time a wee bit to correct the past a little bit, usually to save a life or something. Uh, so in the like th this is this happens in the first episode, not a spoiler at all. He gets sent back in time, fixes catastrophes, okay, uh, and then carries on with his life. And it's just a bit uh, uh, depressed and emotionally repressed um, adult um, trying to save trying to save the day. Uh, and um, he gets sent back um, in time further than ever before to to save um, and to um, help. And fix a bigger problem than ever before. And it right. is just following that story of him putting the pieces together from his past life and his present life because he goes back in time. He's still himself. He like re enters his life as he was at, at that moment. Um, okay. It's hard, it's hard to kind of get a picture of it, but it's just yeah. someone's trying to solve crimes and save a day back in, back in the past. Um, but he gets sent back to like his childhood instead of his adulthood. He gets sent way back and watching the story come together. And you know what? They did a real good job. Oh, good. I don't often enjoy time travel stuff. I don't often think the time travel yeah. in films and media is done very well. It's kind of paradoxical. In, yeah. In this instance, it's done very well. They pull it off. There's not many things about it I would really complain about. It's got strong characters. It's got um interesting story. The way that he uh, manages to help certain characters... Uh, and save certain characters is super cool and watching it, watching it all come together is really satisfying they, they do think of a very satisfying ending uh -huh. uh, one of my only complaints is that the primary love interest in quotes of the story is just some someone from his future where he's 28 and she's 17 and I'm like a bit freaked out by that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like that age gap. I don't want that age gap to be in my kinds of medias. It's a slightly uh, uncomfortable eleven-year age gap. Yeah. 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 Okay. And especially when he's like gets sent back in time, and you're dealing with a character who is like at fifteen, and that means that you know that the primary love interest is like a tiny little child. Um, they don't meet in that timeline. I'm not trying to imply that, but it's just 
there's just this one love interest storyline that really lost me. Right, just just, uh, just the rest of the show and the mystery and the stuff really carries really well. This is maybe just my naivety and my lack of real insight or knowledge of anime cartoons. Is that like a dynamic you see? Is it kind of the stereotypical younger girl? There are older man. Well, it's it's the same in Western, in like when Western media, right? the standard that we have and it seems to be media across the, across the world is that like a 50 year old dude can 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 bag the 20 year old well, um, yeah, leading I, star i agree with that but but certainly not in a like a big cartoon or a big whatever well, tv show this is with this the... is shows for adults too so it's not at a children's standard okay um but no it's just yeah so they've got the same tropes of like for some reason the younger the girl the better where it's like really like surely you want someone who is as emotionally mature as you however unlike most other things this is a this is a show that deals with someone who time travels into a child's mind so you know maybe he is emotionally like a 15 year old is still at that point it's hard to I'd, I'd recommend the show it's hard to say why it's hard to like nail down what really works um, it just feels very well done, very realistically done for such a high concept. Ahmed Arbery is a name you may have seen in the headlines over the last couple of days. This is moving on to some other news other than coronavirus. This is the the news that a father and son have been arrested and charged in the state of Georgia for the fatal shooting off Ahmed Arbery, who was an unarmed black man mm-hmm. who was jogging. Yeah, there is a, a video which was circulating on social media, which I've seen. You may have seen it already, dear viewer. It's disturbing. Probably, I probably just don't watch it anyway. Just... I will attempt to describe it. Essentially, what this dash cam footage is, and I'll give you the background of the story in a minute before I bring James in. What the dashcam footage shows is Ahmed running down the street, being pursued by a truck. They eventually catch up to him, and one white guy gets out with a shotgun. There is a struggle. There are a couple of shots that ring out, and then eventually there's a shot, and Ahmed uh, loses his balance and falls face first onto the asphalt. Clearly has been shot and dies. Yeah. And that's what the video shows. Now let's rewind. When that whole incident occurred, the verdict was, oh, it's it's nothing. He died. It's not That's worth the, investigating. Not basically. worth investigating. We're just going to leave it here. Yeah. And then, I believe a week ago, 10 days ago, a radio station uploaded the video to their website, uh, promptly removed it, but before they did so, other outlets had grabbed a hold of it, mm-hmm. and now prosecutors have arrested and charged this father and son duo. Yeah. James, this story is... It's very easy to throw stones from over here in Scotland, but this to me just seems to bring the entire issue of race in America back to the fore. It reminds me of the Travion Martin, mm-hmm. uh, Trayvon Martin from, I want to say five, six years ago, yeah, which was another unarmed black man killed by a white dude who, in the end, got off with it. Yeah, and it is. It's just it's a similar thing where white people kill uh, a black guy and it doesn't even get investigated because they say they were attempting to like apprehend him apprehend him a citizen's arrest so therefore it's fine because he resisted a citizen's arrest it's like what in what world are are you allowed to just citizens arrest someone for going out on a jog right just because you suspect them of being bad because of their skin color 
and then the fact that that held and that it didn't get investigated and the fact that before it did get investigated there was an investigation into who leaked the video so the more yeah. important investigation was finding out who leaked the video rather than actually dealing with this murder Mr. Mr. Arbery was was 25 he's only 25 years old and this happened in February so for more than 2 months police didn't charge anybody uh, with this killer with this murder of uh, Mr. Arbery and it's only after all this media outrage yeah. that they finally done something yeah so they, they pull guns on him I, I have never had this happen to me but you know in general humans when they're confronted with something go fight or flight his response was fight um, two people are attacking you with guns he chose to fight back and they ended up killing him um, so now there's people trying to say it was self-defense and the gunman's part but it's like mm, nope <laughs> you confronted a dude with guns uh, this is on you. You you entered a situation without information, without facts, made a judgment that someone needed to be threatened uh, with the end of their life and ended up taking a life. So uh, it's it's embarrassing and shambolic that this did not get investigated and these charges have taken so long um, or these arrests have taken so long to happen. Um, and it's even worse that there was clearly such a cover-up hiding the video and um, not investigating people and um, protecting people instead of actually trying to get justice for something that was awful. Um, and yeah, we don't see this happen in Scotland, but you know, people are racist here too. Um, so like lessons learned, I hope, even over here where it's just like stop judging people um, by skin color, uh, stop judging people if they're wearing a mask in public right now because we're supposed to be doing that kind of thing. Um, yep. Don't judge people if they're running. Like I am sure that there are there are people even in the UK who choose not to go out for runs after after dark because they don't want to be seen as a threat. That's a problem. They shouldn't be seen as a threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully there are some lessons to be learned across the board and hopefully people learn them. Okay, moving on. The time has come for universal basic income in Scotland. That's according to Nicola Sturgeon. Uh, speaking at the daily coronavirus briefing in Edinburgh earlier in the week, uh, the First Minister said there will be constructive discussions with the UK government on the matter. So under the scheme, pe basically people in Scotland would be given a universal payment from the government yeah. regardless of any sort of means testing. Yeah. You would just be given a flat sum of money. Yes. Now, this also comes as one of the very first real pieces of research into universal basic income was published. This came from Finland, and the headline figure is that UBI improved both the employment figures and also the well-being of basically everybody who was receiving it. Mm -hmm. This was the, the first study of universal basic income in the world to this level of Finland. Ran for two years... Uh, during which the government gave 2,000 unemployed people uh, monthly payments with no strings attached. Yeah. James, what do you think about all this? Uh, UBI is pretty cool. There's a lot of solutions to to these problems, and most of them are just geared on trying to make the money easier to get to the people who need it. And it turns out that giving money to literally everybody makes sure that everybody gets money when they need it, even yep. if some people who don't need it get it. They can spend it on some stuff. And that's good for the economy. Um, it turns out in general that giving people a bit of flexibility to like quit a bad job and know that they're safe for a few months 
uh, makes people happier or the ability to take a risk at starting your own business, knowing that yeah. you've got this steady flow of income makes you able to kick that business off. Um, and for and this is for people who wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. They don't have like the uh, investment from their parents or whatever that some wealthier families can offer. Um, UBI does come with a few questions, like questions about the sustainability economically, whether it actually um, works because you need to increase taxes uh, across the board to to fund it. Um, generally, people at the lower end of the scale still end up with more money, even if everybody gets taxed more because, you know, the income. Um, and there's also questions about how do you control uh, rent so that landlords don't just all hike up the prices now that everybody's got a minimum wage. But UBI in general is promising. Finland have done the studies. There's been studies in different provinces in provinces in Canada. There's been studies across the world. There's even been some evidence that we were doing studies of this about 100 years ago in the UK. And even those were promising, but they were hushed up because people didn't want change. Um, but there's so many ideas for how to make the economy healthier um, and how to make the workforce healthier. Uh, Four-day work weeks, UBI, all sorts of things. And generally... Uh, all studies point to them being good for productivity, wherein giving people the money makes them more productive rather than more lazy. And giving people an extra day off a week makes them more productive rather than less productive. Um, but we're resistant to change because we've all been fed the five-day work week since the day we were born. We've all been fed yep. the eight-hour work week since the day we were born. But come on, uh, it's not that long since we fought to get that many hours um, free a week. So we, it's not that long since uh, workers' rights became a priority. So what are the chances we got them right straight away? Pretty low. Let's keep fighting for more and more rights until we have the perfect balance. Okay. Let's move on very briefly. Two stories to go. Here's the second one, second to last one. Elon Musk, who's making another appearance in Seesaw Parade for the second week in a row, go he Elon. and his partner Grimes have had a baby. It is called... Yeah. XA3A minus 12. XA, XA? Sorry, X, XA, which is pronounced ash, apparently. apparently. It's a f- funny symbol. Yeah. Uh, and then A, sorry, A dash 12. Yeah, it's the AE sign that you see on the keyboards and you see in plenty languages that I'm sure have pronunciations for it. It's just, and even in Old English, it was like it was like an A sound. Right. Ethelwolf, Old just, King just Ethelwolf. To go th- That's how the A was in that. Just to go through this, Grimes then, who's an artist, by the way, I was hearing about her for the first time. She tweeted... Yeah, I hadn't really heard about it until it was revealed that they were in a relationship. Breaking down each of these uh, letters and symbols, she said that X stands for the unknown variable. AE, or AI, is shorthand for artificial intelligence and translates to love in several languages. And then the A-12 is a precursor to the SR-71, which is literally a their favourite aircraft. Archangel, the Archangel 12. It's a yes. plane. Uh, and then, yeah, and then said it's, it could be Archangel. So apparently you pronounce this X-Archangel Musk. <laughs> yeah, so it's more like three names rather than one. Um, right. Some people are trying to say that you pronounce it Kyle. That's the funny one for me. Elon, <laughs> uh, hearing our invite to join us in the podcast last week, went on Joe Rogan's podcast instead. I can see why. I know, I can um, see why. I can see it. Where, yeah. Um, where it's more convenient, it's closer to home. Um, <laughs> Only slightly more listeners. He he also described the name, but it, his description of it had some differences to the one that was posted on Twitter. So I'm not sure yep. they've decided themselves what it means or how to pronounce it, aside from Archangel 12, um, or if they pronounce if you pronounce it A12. Um, 
But in general, it's just another famous rich person giving their child a big crazy name so that we all Absolutely learn the name. Stupid name. We all go, oh, what a stupid name. But then we don't know their real name because this isn't his real name. Uh, the kid's going to have an, a name that goes in the books, that gets them into school yep. and that can't be uh, paparazzied. They can't be followed home by kidnappers and stuff like that um, so easily. It's just a way to obfuscate the child's life from the public eye. Okay. Um, it is real dumb, though. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a uh, dumb if you're going to give a dumb name, don't go quite this dumb. This is too dumb. Um, <laughs> okay. But James... no, Elon still be crazy. He's still trying to get us all to open up um, n- um, states and to reopen the economy a bit too Indeed. hard. Uh, I, I did listen to some of his chat on, the, on, on Joe Rogan, and, you know, I don't think Joe gave him the same pushback we would have. I think we would have been a better better pair to talk to because George just kind of enabled all that chat and it was a bit crazy Elon okay. Elon be a bit mad uh, James, Smart, take us th- mad. James take us through this last story of the week if you would oh alright yeah I, I'm not sure how to pronounce the uh, Choctaw. Choctaw I always forget so a long time ago, there was a potato famine in Ireland. There was. Uh, we may remember it because we, the Brits, let them down and starved them to death. We didn't give them any food supplies and stuff like that. And um, Rangers fans like to sing about it. Yeah, uh, it's 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 something that we did real bad. Taking care, of, like if 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 Ireland had a famine, we should have given them stuff. We didn't. You know who did give them stuff? The Choctaws. The Choctaws raised some amount of money. I can't quite remember the amount. Several thousand. Um, dollars to send to help the people of Ireland Yeah. Um, for a small tribe at that point because, you know, tribes in America all got decimated by us. Um, to send that kind of uh, money was a big gesture and it formed a sort of bond between the Choctaw people and Ireland. There's statues to commemorate the occasion. There's all sorts of links, free tuition for members of the tribe and Irish uh, universities and stuff. And now... Um, because the American government is letting down all sorts of people in its own response to the coronavirus, the people of Ireland have raised something in the millions of um, euros, I suppose, but dollars in most of the stories, uh, to donate back to the Choctaw tribe to help them through what is today's big trial uh, where they're being let down. Um, and people are kind of calling it like a return of the favor and everything's all even now. But I'm just like, these, this is cool. Two, two groups of people helping each other from so far away in two different that is cool. uh, disasters. That's a proper bond. And I am sure uh, for any number of repeated disasters for the rest of however long it takes for the human race to die out, that's going to be a bond that will stick. There'll be peoples that are helping each other forever. And it's, it's just real nice. It's real nice that even in catastrophe, you see huge big gestures of kindness. Okay. James, on that note, it is time to end the show. Thank you very much uh, for spending the last hour or so with me, and thank you all oh, for man. listening. I, I had a good, I had a good time. Thank you, Colin. So did I. Now I'm going to go and drink beer. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Ah, nice. Okay, well, enjoy your beer. I'm just not going to share it mouth to mouth with anyone. <laughs> um, thank you, listeners. Okay, see you later. Bye.